You know the weaknesses of each of us. Let each one find you mighty to save. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. About 20 years ago now, I traveled to Sweden to visit a good friend of mine from Australia who was there studying theology. He was one of the most brilliant people that I knew, and he had a great heart for getting to know people. He, he was friendly to everyone and genuinely had a heart of gold. I had met him five years earlier when I lived in Australia in 1992, and so by the time I saw him five years later, I noticed that he had physically declined, substantially declined. Now, we were basically the same age, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Finally, one day, he admitted to me that he had been suffering, most likely he believed, from chronic fatigue syndrome, something that had originally been misdiagnosed by a series of doctors and had not only sucked away his energy, but it had demoralized his spirit. This guy was brilliant. And as such, he, he aspired to this prestigious life in the academy. He sought for his identity in the life of the mind. He applied for fellowships. He delivered papers at universities all over the world and even became a fellow of the Dag Hammarskjöld Society in Stockholm. Absolutely brilliant guy. But with this diagnosis of now having chronic fatigue syndrome, his focus in life changed from career and prestige to wellness. It was a rather bitter pill for him to swallow. And every day was a struggle to find new energy and resolve to overcome the physical obstacles that made daily living difficult. So he tried several things. Tai Chi. Tai Chi was tremendously helpful in creating space for mindful movement. Tremendously helpful. But one thing that struck me about my friend was that, with my friend, one of the things that struck me was the amount of time that he spent in prayer. He had grown up in the Orthodox Church and he collected icons. And so he surrounded himself with icons in prayer and he prayed a lot. I remember my visit well. I had been to church with him before many years ago and I knew that he was someone who took his faith seriously, but I had never witnessed someone my age spend that much time in prayer. So I decided to ask him, okay, tell me, what is this all about? And he said, Troy, I have to tell you, I don't have my health anymore. I have to stay strong physically so that I can continue to pursue my studies, so I can try to create the type of career that I want to create, so that I can build my life in ways that I want to build it. But prayer, prayer does something more than all of this. Prayer gives me identity. It gives me a relationship with Jesus. It helps me spend time every day that no matter how tired or depressed I feel, no matter how much I hurt, no matter how much I have to combat my physical limitations, 
prayer brings me back to a place where I experience God's love. I get to immerse myself in love, and God helps me find my real identity in prayer. In prayer, I learn who I really am. I'll never forget that. In prayer, I learn who I really am. We sometimes forget who we are. Our Genesis reading is the perfect reminder of that. In this story of Adam and Eve, these newly created human beings who presumably have a direct relationship with God in every conceivable way possible, they've been given a lavish garden of blessing, a beautiful environment, abundant food, safety, well-being, protection, even love. God said to Adam and Eve, now look guys, Here's what I've set out. This is Eden. This is paradise. There's one stipulation, however. And that is you can have everything that I've given you. You can have everything of all the world. All of creation. But one of the things you can't do. One of the things you can't do. And the poetic phrase used is that God says that you can't eat Of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. If you do that, you're going to die. And that's a symbol that you cannot try to be God. You can't take God's place away. The minute you try to be something more than your actual identity, more than what you are created for, you're going to cut off the relationship with God that was intended. You try to be God, then God seems to kind of disappear from your life. And the story in Genesis is that whole sense of people being tempted or drawn towards the one thing that is forbidden. Even when we've been given everything. There's something about our human curiosity that wants us to have what we cannot have. There's something that is so seductive, so appealing, but yet it isn't ours. It's not our identity. It belongs to God. It's God's identity, and we get into trouble. I know I've said this before, but it's too appropriate not to bring up. We live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We have the ability and the resources to establish life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. And yet, as the author Brene Brown puts it, we are the most in-debt, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in human history. Something about us seeks something we cannot have because it isn't ours. We long for something outside of our nature, outside of our identity. We want things we can't have, and it gets us into trouble. That's one angle, but there's another. We also worry. We get depressed. We deal with terrible anxiety. We idolize the news and define ourselves by drawing lines in the sand and then standing on our perceived right side of something. 
We fall into this trap that if I look perfect, live perfectly, do everything perfectly, all the time, perfectly, I can avoid or minimize painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work out so well for us because we cannot be someone who we are not. Temptation and identity get mixed up. They get tangled. And the only way out of this trap is to rediscover and understand our true identity in light of Christ's identity. Jesus himself had an identity. He claimed his identity. But when this happened, we don't entirely know when it actually happened. Christians have debated for centuries how much Jesus actually knew about himself and when he knew it. Some traditions say that his mother Mary told him all about the stories of the angel's prophecies. Other traditions simply believe that he didn't really know the true nature of his identity until his baptism when the heavens parted and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and you hear a voice, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. But what we do know, what we do know without any doubt is that Jesus claimed and modeled his identity most profoundly when he prayed. And Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus never stopped praying. Often our Bible stories we hear on Sundays mention Jesus going off to pray, but we somehow discount this. Yeah, well, he's the son of God, so he kind of knows God better than anyone. Why wouldn't he pray? But think about it. Today in our reading, Jesus is really in a world of hurt. He's hungry. He hasn't been around anyone for 40 days. He's probably a little lonely. He might even be dehydrated and his mind might be daydreaming. This great temptation he faces in the desert is so real. It's so human. Matthew's telling us all about how much he's being tempted about food, about power, about dominion. Jesus has no physical energy left at the beginning of this story. None. He's practically starving. But he is rich in prayer. He has built up for himself a spiritual well of resources that overcome even his most tempting temptation. He has planted himself so deep in the well of divine love that no temptation can overcome him. Jesus is affirming his identity in this reading. He's affirming his identity in prayer, and he's doing something else. He's reclaiming our separated or fallen identity, the one that we get from Adam and Eve. He's reclaiming this, and he's restoring humankind into the full image of God and living into his identity as Savior, as Messiah, as son of the living God. Prayer is how Jesus knows who he must fully become. And so this Lent, we are invited to prayer, lots of prayer. Prayer for ourselves, for those whom we love, 
for every need or concern that we can think of in the world. That's why we begin on this first Sunday of Lent. We always spend time at the beginning on the first Sunday of Lent praying the great litany as we did. It's an invitation for us to realize that our greatest identity, the best way we can get to know ourselves and to get to know Jesus is through the practice of prayer. So no matter how tired or depressed we might feel, no matter how much we hurt, no matter how much we have to combat our physical or our mental or our spiritual limitations, prayer brings us back to the place where we experience God's love. Prayer gives us a chance to immerse ourselves in love. And God helps us discover our real identities in prayer. Prayer helps us learn who we really are. This Lent, let's get to know Jesus and rediscover our true beloved identity, being a beloved son or daughter of God. Let's get to rediscover our true beloved identity through our prayer.